Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Here we are as we head into the last two weeks of 2020. Woohoo! So much to discuss. This is going to be our last episode of the year. Give us a chance to recharge and head into 2021. As I said, we had so much to do. A lot of recapping on the year, some prognostication, discussing of a great wine. This episode, episode 51 of The Long Finish, is dedicated to the idea that we're going to enjoy a nice bottle. A nice bottle of wine to send us out of 2020 and into 2021. And we're doing it with a winemaker that you and I have visited before. So, Catherine, what wine are we drinking tonight? We did visit this producer before, and what a lovely visit it was. This is the Bartolo Mascarello Dolcetto de Alba 2019. Oh, what a beautiful producer. What a great bottle. I'm so excited to drink this tonight. It is a cozy, cozy red night. I've got my cozy red sweater on. I got my socks on. I got my PJs. I'm ready to relax. You, of course, will be sipping as a, as in tasting the wine because you are pregnant. I'm enjoying the nose. Enjoying the nose, yeah. But we thought we talked a couple of weeks in a row about champagne. So go back and listen to those if you want to get into the sparkling world for the holiday or New Year's. But there's something about the idea of just having a nice bottle of wine and, like you said, just relaxing these last two weeks. Let's get into full chill. Put on the fire, you know, right. get the tunes going, get the record player spinning. Like, let's just... Get the Alexa, play me Tears for Fears. That's not what I was picturing. <laughs> No, that's not my no. mood, Isn't mood like music. How far we've come in our images. This is people being like, yeah, fireplace, record. Now it's like, Alexa, lights 80%. We don't have an Alexa, people. No, we don't. We just pretend. Yeah, we do. And expect the other person to be Alexa. And our kids start saying Alexa and nothing happens and they're so disappointed when they go to other people's houses or, or at one time had gone to other people's houses. Now they just say Alexa and the lights stay on. Oh, guys. Guys and gals, episode 51 Really excited to talk about this wine, talk about our trip that we took. This is a part of another trip that we took in 2014 to Italy. But first and foremost, Catherine, before we get into all that, let's talk about what's going on with us. What's going on with us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're just doing that. We're, We're grinding right now. It's the last week of preschool before the holidays. Esther's is just a madhouse. Thank you to each and every one of you that have supported Esther's. Bought a gift box. Called us for a virtual tasting. Ordered something off the website or joined the wine club. You guys are making it possible. And our team right now is just running around like mad elves. They are just rocking it right now. I'm so grateful. Sometimes in years past, it has been more chaotic and less organized. This year, it's like, it's down to a science, but they are busy. They're at FedEx multiple times a day, and it's great. I'm just so, so grateful, but it has been a busy time. I've done, I don't know, four or five virtual tastings in the last 
two days and the Instagram live. And this is just wonderful stuff. It's just been so busy with work. And I'm, and I'm very, very grateful to have that right now. And especially during this time. I'm glad you mentioned the virtual tastings because I'm sure there's some people out there, some listeners, who want to get back into the wine tasting mode in 2021, maybe have gone to some tastings at Esther's or some other places, and want to figure out ways to do continuing their educations or just have a fun experience with wine. So what are those wine, those virtual wine tastings been like for you? And can you describe like how are people reacting to that experience when they go on them? It's been really fun. They've been groups of friends or corporate work groups or a celebrate birthday celebrations, some way for people that want to get together in, you know, with a kind of structured format over Zoom. And so we either deliver the wines to people in little tasting bottles for little wines, or they can order two or three bottles and we can ship that out if they're outside the Los Angeles area. And then if they want to do a live sommelier with their taste, sometimes they just want the wines, but sometimes they want to have a live sommelier. And so we schedule a time and I lead a tasting. I tell them about like what the philosophy is behind choosing the wines at Esther's, why it's special, how to get into wine tasting, and then talk about the regions, the stories behind the bottles, and then we do deductive tastings like we do on this podcast every week. I lead a little deductive tasting with them on the wines, and they have little tasting sheets that are super fun that our friend Jasper designed, and they're so cute, and um, people love it. Sometimes if it's a bigger group, like 35, 50 people, I kind of have to talk most of the time, and and otherwise, if it's like a smaller group of six to eight people, they get really chatty, and you know they have a lot to say about the wine. So it's been really fun. You've done four of these this week. You said, what What's the most common question that you feel like people ask when it comes to wine in these tastings? Two questions people always want to ask, not necessarily related to the wines at all. Someone always asks. When should I decant wine? And then and I give two answers. One, you decant wine if it's an older wine and you're trying to separate the sediment from the juice and you would do that over a light source like a candlelight or something, leaving the sediment in the bottle. And two, you would do that with a wine that just needs to open, needs air. Usually like a tighter, more full-bodied red, like a fresh Barolo or a recently bottled Cabernet Sauvignon that just needs to open, and you would do that decanting vigorously. But I say decanting is a great thing to do anytime you have people over. Hopefully you're not having a lot of people over right now, but sometime if you have people over, it just looks nice. It looks special. It looks like you care. You know, it's it's about the, and I try and do it in the restaurant whenever I feel like the opportunity is right because people appreciate that special experience, that special treatment. But if you're just opening a young wine, just pouring a glass and having the bottle open and letting the air open it up slowly, naturally over the course of you drinking it is usually enough. What's the second question they ask? Second question is, how long will this keep or how long does wine keep and what's the best way to do that? And they'll say, tell me all kinds of stuff they have at home. I got this little pump or I got this spray or I got this other thing that I do. And I'm like, that's so great. I don't know about any of those things. What I do is I put a cork in it and I put it in the refrigerator. The fridge, the cold air sort of stops the aging. It stops the wine evolving. And then the next day, take the cork out, you open it up again. And if it's a red, maybe you let it hang out for half an hour until it warms up. 
how long are they trying to keep this wine? A month? Sometimes I think, you know, people are, they just don't know. They don't know, oh, is it bad the next day? You know what I mean? I'm like, and I'm like, it's only bad if you don't think it tastes good anymore. You are the judge of that. You know, no yeah. one, no one is going to come and say, and now the wine is bad. Right. Typically there's what, four glasses of wine to a bottle? Four and a half. Yeah. So four and a half, roughly. Let's say, so if you're drinking by yourself, it's four nights, right? You have a glass a right. night. Yeah. It's four nights. So you, you hope that wine makes it four nights. Yep. And you and I think about this a lot, actually. You and I will taste wines, and then we'll come back again at night two or even night three and say, what does this taste like? So that's a valid question. I mean, uh, we we experiment that, like you said, every day. Always we are doing that because, well, let's try this. Let's see that. And I and I told people that, too. Like, ask the wine shop, the people at the wine shop. Ask them which is a good wine to have over a few days. Hopefully they know that. I've got a few that I'm always like, here's this one. It's great for five days. It even gets better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. We should do a better job charting that too because I feel like that's a, that's a great question. The decant thing, you and I just don't decant that much because we don't drink a lot of the bigger, fuller-bodied wines that often. Well, also, it's a commitment. Like, you're doing that bottle that night. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're. Well, it's great if you have, if, you know, we had another couple here, let's do it. But yeah. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the questions aren't correlated because it's like you don't decant and save the wine. No, no, no. Two, <laughs> two different things. Yeah. But but they're just things that people always want to know about. Yeah, and I, and I would ask those questions too. And I still like to know those questions. So, yeah, if you're doing, look, looking for uh, for some fun, think about a virtual tasting with any psalm in your area. If you're thinking about ways to promote and help you know, restaurants – Think about that. Think about hitting up psalms of restaurants you love and say, can we do a virtual tasting? Can we get a group together? Totally. I know tons of people doing it. Tons of sommeliers doing that. You know, we do that too. So anyway, this is a a great conversation. We're we're going tech heavy to end the year. Woo. Uh, Let's let's pad up this episode. Yeah. Just so you know, the kids are doing great. I watched the kids this morning out up at 425. That's where we're living right now, kids. Our boys are getting up at 430, 425 and 430 in the morning, and we're watching... Umi Zumi, Team Umi Zumi. Oh, I don't like that one. I have no idea. I literally went <laughs> back into our oldest son's bed and sleep and just like wait for them to. <laughs> well, this week the the update is that we changed Quinn's bed, so Quinn's the um, two year old, into a toddler bed. Now, uh, our doctor recommend you know most recommendations out there will tell you three years, but he's been jumping out of the crib for I don't know four or five months. So we're like, the let's just switch it to the toddler bed. So now he can get in and out of his own bed very easily. He seems to like it. This is a kid we said was going to be a problem in high school, and he's he's a problem now. But he's so charming. Very cute. Anyway, let's move into the topic of the night, which is let's have a bottle of wine that we really love over the holidays to enjoy these last two weeks and get the heck out of 2020 and move into 2021. So let's talk about this wine. Let's talk about this producer. And let's talk about... You know, wines that really are, feel special to us during these holiday times. So, Catherine, what are we drinking tonight? So, just to remind you, we are drinking the Bartolo Mascarello Dolcetto de Alba 2019. This is from Piemonte or Piedmont in Italy. And as Tug said, we visited this producer in 2014. So, by all accounts, this is a blue chip Barolo producer. And one of the reasons being that it's was one of the original producers to bottle their own wine. 
basically selling grapes to the big houses used to be a thing in most regions, right? Just kind of like in we know in Champagne. But it used to be a thing in a lot of regions because farmers weren't winemakers, you know, and it was costing it would cost a lot of money to make wine. But right after World War One, Giolo Mascarello said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try this new thing. I'm gonna bottle my own wine. I'll sell the rest of it, you know, but mo some of it I'm gonna bottle. And it started to go well. And in the 30s, he started to purchase some serious, serious vineyards in Canubi, uh, San Lorenzo, some like big time, awesome vineyards. And this helped him really like up his game. You know, he became a master blender of all these different vineyards and he became a master blender of Nebbiolo. He's one of the first grower producers. So after World War II, his son... Bartolo joins his father and he sort of takes over. That's who the state's named for. And there's this movement happening in the 1980s, 1990s to start doing single vineyard Barolos. Bartolo was like, we don't do that. Our thing is blending. That's always been our thing and still is to this day. So all of their Barolo, all their their Barbera, Dolcetto, all their wines are blends. They're not single vineyards. Then... After when Bartolo was getting a little bit older, his daughter, Maria Teresa, took over from her father. And that who is who we met when we went to visit in 2014. This woman who's just, I mean, she lights up a room. She stepped into that room and there was just this silence. Like, wow, this we're in the presence of someone so special. I've only been in the presence of a few people in my life who gave off an aura like that where you just sort of like almost took your breath away when they came in. Not a famous person. I mean, I guess it could be sometimes, but sometimes it just people have that energy about them, you know, where they're you're just, wow, I'm in the presence of someone. She has that. Anyway, she's not interested in the internet. They don't have a website. She doesn't care about that. She's just like focused on the wine. The other interesting thing about the winery is Bartolo Mascarello passed away in 2005 and he was sick for quite a while before he passed away. And during these times when he was sick, he did little drawings and many of the labels, sometimes on the Dolcetto or Barbera, and then on a very few bottles of Barolo each year, they include some of his drawings and they're really special bottlings. We have one in our cellar, I think from 2010. Great vintage. Um, we'll be saving that one for a while. I think it's actually nine. We wanted ten. I think we got nine. Oh, we got nine. Yeah. Nine, but the thing about nine is, well, at least then, probably still now, it was just more available. Yeah. You don't have to wait as long. So we should probably get on that. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> After the baby, we'll, Correct. we'll get that one going. That'll be good for us. And I, I remember when we went to tour this producer, we were kind of struck by the fact that this a sort of large, very articulate American man greeted us. Alan was his name. I think he's kind of known around those parts. And we're oh, hello. He had come, he had moved to Barolo, I think because he fell in love. And then, you know, he was sort of leading our tour and the tasting and everything. And then, and then Maria Teresa stepped in. Shall we taste this? Yes, please. So the color really deep deep, dark ruby. I guess it is opaque. I can't see my ring through it. 
The edge is just a hint lighter, but it's really, really dense color. And swirling the glass. Legs are coming down fairly quickly. Not fast, but not definitely not slow. This looks to me to be medium body, light to medium. And the alcohol is 13.5%. So nothing crazy. That's definitely a nice medium there. Let's put a nose in there. It is so plummy, right? Mmm, black plum. Like plum spice pudding. It doesn't, you can't really smell sweet. That's not, that's, you can't smell sweet. But you think you smell sweet when the fruit is just ripe enough. Now, it's not overripe plum. It's just really ripe. But it has all these like baking spices and other spices that make you think it's like that Christmas plum pudding. You know what I mean? Got that kind of mulled wine feeling. Blackberry. And then other stuff. There's just like definitely cocoa. It's got this chocolate. Ooh, blackberry chocolate plum. Violets. And those spices I keep coming back to. Cinnamon. Allspice. Now, is that coming from the... The vessel that holds the wine is it from? Is it oak? They, these are aged in oak, but really large oak. It's not imparting a lot of flavor. I think it has more to do with just the kind of spicy element of the grape itself. A little bit from the oak, but not much. And this isn't like a. It's, it doesn't smell like cedar or toast or anything like that. It's just those that kind of like warming smell. Didn't they have a sign there that said like no barrique? Oh yeah, they're big time no barrique. Yeah, can you explain that a little bit? So barrique is like the smaller oak barrels and there's definitely was this movement by more modern producers to use smaller oak barrels because that was a thing, right? Oh, okay, it's, you know, imparting more of that oak flavor. It's definitely a different style and they are vehemently against it. I'm not into it really either. I'm kind of with them. All right, let's taste it. That tart black plum, tart blackberry just kind of pops in your mouth. Like you just picked it a little bit too early. Super fresh. I still get a little bit of the cocoa, a little bit of the spice, but not like I did on the nose. It starts out really bright and fruity. And then the acid comes in and just a little bit of tannin and it's washed away. It's not a super long evolution on the palate. Although I am still tasting it in my mouth, I still feel that like tart blackberry. It's a light to medium wine, light to medium bodied red. Tannins are pretty mild. I would say light to medium, maybe more medium. And acid is medium. That's one of the big differences between Barbera and Dolcetto which people often think of as the other two grapes of the of Southern Piedmont. There are many, but people really think about Barbera and Dolcetto a lot. Dolcetto means little sweet one. So I always think it has that sweeter nose and it has less acid. It's mel- more mellow. It's very pleasing. And it's casual. It's not meant for long aging. It's meant to be drinking. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this is 2019. You're not going to see 2019s in Barolo for four or five years. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. Yeah. Any other qualities of Dolcetto that we should know about and how this particular producer represents that grape or makes it feel unique in some ways? Well, I think one thing to always look out for is 
tasting these other reds is a great way to get to know a Barolo producer. It's a gateway, right? So, you know, we talked about them having a house style and being about blending and not about single vineyards. So this Dolcetto, it has a lightness to it. It has a freshness to it. It doesn't feel so serious. In contrast with, there's actually another Mascarello producer in Barolo, Giuseppe Mascarello, and his wines are crazy structured. They're way more dense. They're way more power driven. This is not that. This has an ease to it. It has a comfort and lightness to it. And it's the same with the Barolo. So like his Barolo, even though it's Barolo, it's more serious. It has more tannin and structure. It has a lightness and freshness and ease. Completely different than Giuseppe Mascarello, whose Barolo is just, woof, that is structure. You know what I mean? Any other red from a Barolo producer is a great gateway. And I should talk briefly about this region. So Dolcetto is the name of the grape variety. And the name of the region is Dolcetto de Alba. And Alba is a little city in this area. But the region, the DOC of Dolcetto de Alba, encompasses the area around Barbaresco, around Verduno, around Barolo, um... And then a little bit farther south and then to the east, Castiglione. So it's kind of, it's a pretty large region. It's not just in Barolo. So any producer who is a Barolo producer, they own vineyards throughout the area. It's just not right in their village. The names of these varietals represent regions. Sometimes. That's what's so darn confusing in Italy. This is Dolcetto. Of Alba. But yeah, it's Dolcetto da Alba. And sometimes you have that, you know, like Multipulciano di Abruzzo. Oh, that's Multipulciano from Abruzzo. Oh, it's so helpful. Yeah. And the second you think you've got that, then you're like, oh, Montalcino. No, that's a city. Yeah, don't exactly. Think, don't think you're getting there. So Italy is actually a big puzzle. I know. I know how it's, <laughs> it's always complicated when you're studying. Yeah, it's great. Like the best thing to do is get a. If you want to learn Italy, is get the DeLong map. You go to DeLong D E L O N G. You get the map of the DOCs of Italy, and you just put it on a wall and you look at it every day. That is the only way I started to learn it. Is because that map was on the back of the office door in a tiny restaurant I worked at in New York, and I would look at it every day on my break. And now we have that in our cellar at Esther's. What kind of food are we thinking about for Dolcetto? I mean, I I just want a big platter of lasagna right now. That sounds so good. Something kind of casual, but like hearty. Pizza is classic. No, something not too serious, not too meaty, because it doesn't have crazy tannins. Those would be my choices. How can we instruct our listeners to go and find this wine or a wine similar, or at least a Dolcetto? Well, Dolcetto, definitely, you should be able to find in most wine stores from somewhere. And most likely, it's going to be Dolcetto de Alba. Now, this... Dolcetto from Bartolo Mascarello, not as easy to find. I was very lucky to get one case of this allocated. Whew, so lucky. All the Bartolo Mascarello wines are just HTG, hard to get. So if you find any in your local wine store of any kind from this producer, A, snatch them up, and B, 
DM us and tell me where you found it because I want to know. I mean, before I even got, let me tell you this, before we even got the 2016 Barolo, I was getting emails. Do you have it in? Do you have it in? Do you have it in? I mean, I sold it before it came into the store. Wow. I mean, people know this producer is so fantastic and it's just, it's hard to get. Yeah, I think we were allowed to buy three. We were. And we had one, I think, that night. Yep. With Ted. The Indiana Jones of wine, Ted Vance. So we have two left. That's right. Post kid, we're going out. We're celebrating. We got to get on those 2009s. Post kid, post vaccine, reasons to celebrate. So this holiday season, when you're thinking about getting cozy and enjoying yourself with some pizzas or some comfort food, think about Docetto um, and look for this wine. This producer will put this on our Instagram at, uh, at the long finish. And um, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us. But um, hopefully getting some great red for the holiday season. Yeah, and if you find it, buy it. <laughs> Tell us where it is. Okay, I want to change things up for the last piece, which is what has been inspiring us this week. And I want to do a 2020 review. Obviously, 2020 has been brutal for the world. Brutal for everyone. Brutal for anyone in restaurants. Brutal for anyone who's had, who has kids. Brutal for anyone who has a heartbeat and goes outside Correct. and wants to see a friend. Correct. Yes to all that. So I want to take five minutes and just talk about two or three things from each of us that was the good. What's positive that's come out of 2020? I'll go first and maybe we'll bounce a few ideas back and forth. Number one, I'm going to go with, I talked about it two weeks ago, the fact that my show came out. After five years, I've worked on the show for five years, got it coming out, check it out on the CWC, now we're talking. It's such a pleasure to have something that you made that when you work in the arts and you have something that you actually want to show to people, to get it out in the world is such a blessing and it was such a grind to do it. So happy that's out and then out to the world. I am so happy it's out I too. Know. Do you have one? I do. I want to give so much gratitude, so much happiness for the new general manager at Esther's, Vi. Hopefully she's listening. You are a rock star, and I am so glad that you have come into our lives. You are just running the ship like I've never seen, and you're killing it. You have been a true, true gem of 2020. Even if it wasn't 2020, you'd be a gem, but like you're, you're like a super gem now. Seconded. Fully, fully seconded on that. I'm going to go a little bit bigger picture here and just say the sport of golf has been inspiring to me this year. I played golf. Catherine played golf in high school. Catherine was I on the did. golf team in I high did, school at, in Boulder, Colorado. Ooh. We went out and played golf maybe a month ago together as a date because the restaurants had shut down, so we just went out, the two of us, and played nine holes together, and it was fun, right? Oh, it was a blast. And more of my friends have learned to play golf this year because there's nothing else to do. Can't go to restaurants, can't go to bars, so we have friends who have played their whole lives, friends are playing for the first time. It's just a great way to connect socially distant on the course of, you know, multiple thousands of acres and just enjoy being outside. I've played more golf this year than I probably have in 20 years. And I appreciate Catherine for letting me go play golf and getting a little bit of sanity. I haven't worked. I don't exercise nearly as much as I had pre-pandemic, but I do go outside and walk and play golf. And it has been an absolute blessing to pick up the sticks. And now all my holiday gifts are requests for <laughs> improvements in golf, whether it's a golf lesson or a golf bag or whatever. So I'm grateful for golf and grateful. Hopefully get one more round in before this kid comes in. Should we do that? Yeah, yeah, we got to do it. 
Do you have another one? Well, I kind of have to go with the obvious, which is we're going to have a baby. I mean, come on now. We're going to have a third son. We're going to expand our family. This is a beautiful surprise, and it happened upon us. And we've so far got a healthy baby, healthy pregnancy. It's truly awesome. All right, that's two. Do we have one more thing? It's such a tough year. Do we have three things for which we've been grateful? I wish I'd reverted, reversed the order some ways, but I'm going to give a shout out to our son's preschool. The first school in Santa Monica, California has changed our lives because from March until June, we did Zoom classes. And those three months, March, March, April, May, June, were probably the four <laughs> worst months of the year by far. And in July, they said, we're going to go back and do in-person. We're going to take these... Uh, we're going to take this extremely seriously. The kids are going to wear masks. There wasn't one case of COVID spread through the school, and it personally saved my life because when I had to watch two kids during the day, those days broke me. And so I just want to thank the first school in Santa Monica, California for helping my kid learn, cohabitate with other kids, feel safe, and frankly, give me a few hours away from this child. Two kids nonstop is no joke. I don't know what we're going to do with three. I do not know what we're going to do with three. We're going to just let them live here. We're moving out. <laughs> I'm retired. I'm just going to throw some meat on the floor and like be like, here, eat. Eat some when you frozen want. Frozen waffles. Yeah. But going from two kids to one was like the biggest gift of the year. So shout out to the first school. That's my three things. The third one for me is more of a concept and less of a thing, which is the idea of surrendering. Surrendering to the circumstances. Surrendering to... The outside world and just knowing I can't control what's happening and finding solace and finding peace somewhere else, somewhere inside. And my dearest friend, Miss Maura Malloy, sent me this poem from Roger Robinson, who is, he's a British writer. He's actually a musician and performer, and he spends half his time in England, sometime in Trinidad, too. And he wrote a book, a book of poetry called A Portable Paradise, and it actually won the T.S. Eliot Prize for Literature earlier this year. And this poem, to me, the book of poetry is really dense and about many things, one of them being racism. But this, this poem, well, let me just read it to you, can I? A Portable Paradise by Roger Robinson. And if I speak of paradise, then I'm speaking of my grandmother, who told me to carry it always, on my person, concealed, so no one else would know but me. That way they can't steal it, she'd say. And if light puts you under pressure, trace its ridges in your pocket, smell its piney scent on your handkerchief, hum its anthem under your breath. And if your stresses are sustained and daily, Get yourself to an empty room, be it a hotel, hostel, or hovel. Find a lamp and empty your paradise onto a desk. Your white sands, green hills, and fresh fish. Shine the lamp on it like the fresh hope of morning and keep staring at it till you sleep. Pretty good. It's pretty good. I think it's the perfect way to end our 2020 episodes with a poem being read by Catherine Coker. Fresh hope of morning. It's a perfect image to think of as we head into 2021. Let's hope there's some great things in store. What a crazy year. A lot of good stuff happened. A lot of terrible stuff happened. Oh, yeah. 
Let's look forward. Let's look forward. 2021 is almost upon us, and there's going to be a lot of greatness. What we're going to do is continue to bring more episodes of discussions on wine. Hopefully, you're gleaning some great information from what Catherine talks about. Hopefully, you're laughing at our life in some way. (laughs) I'm uh, laughing at our life. Yeah, for sure. And um, that's it. We hope you have a wonderful rest of 2020. Enjoy the rest of the holiday season. Catherine, before we go, where can they find you and the Long Finish on social media? I am on Instagram at Catherine Weil Coker or Facebook at Catherine Weil Coker. And the Long Finish is on Instagram at the Long Finish and on Facebook at the Long Finish. You can find the Long Finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. If you have an opportunity, if you're giving away uh, small minutes of your time as gifts to rate, review, and subscribe to the Long Finish at Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you listen we would be so grateful but most importantly we hope you have a wonderful rest of the year let's get through this year and on to new things in 2021 be safe be happy wear masks practice social distancing enjoy some great wine until then happy drinking ciao